welcome to another edition of the Green Bitch Podcast. As always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Bitch. Today is just us. It's just two of us. And we are here to break down some of the stuff that happened in week two of the NFL season. AJ, how's it going, my brother? It's good. Um, missed quite a bit of action last weekend, but still did see some highlights. So it was an action packed weekend, though. It surely was indeed. And I too missed quite a bit on Sunday, but I think I saw enough that we can talk about some stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so off the rip this week, again, we are going um, with our week two blitz where we're going to look at some of the games. We're just going to take some quick stabs as we run all over the league and give you some 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 interesting picks as to what happened this week. So, AJ, as we did last week with the Blitz, who is your biggest winner this week? Uh, <laughs> I hate to do this thing at the start of the show, but I have to say that my, my biggest winners of the week right now are the Carolina Panthers. I, I I cannot understand. I, up to now, I can't fathom how these men won that game. And in such a fashion, convincing fashion too, the fact is the Panthers are 2-0 after the first two weeks, right? And who the hell would have thought that the Panthers would be 2-0 and, and topping the division at this point? No, the, the week one wasn't too much of a surprise. It was a Donald revenge game. And it was the Panthers. I mean, Donald spent some years in the league already, right? And they, they got McCaffrey back from injury. And they were playing against a rookie head coach, rookie QB. So, all right, cool. No surprise there. But this week, to beat the Saints, and especially after what the Saints did in week one, I, uh, I mind you, I, I, won't, I, can't get, I can't get too deep into the game because I didn't see it. This was, I just saw a few highlights here and there, right? But shh, the Panthers' defense looks really good. Do you know right now that in terms of, like, points, um, uh, uh, points given up, um, points conceded, the Panthers are ranked number one, averaging only 10 and a half points given up uh, um, in the two over the two games. That's incredible, though. To me, just at, at this point, it and and if if the game were closer, I would I would say, you know what, it was a fluke, but it seems like this team has gotten it together a little bit. And I don't even need to go back to look at the odds to know that the Saints were favored to win this game. So just the Panthers winning and the team that they beat, the manner in which they did it, for me, they're the biggest winners of week two. Okay. Well, I'm actually a little surprised that that's the direction you went. But I'll I'll come back to speak on what happened with my Saints <laughs> a little bit later in this same segment. But my biggest winner for this week is one of the teams that won by the fewest number of points is the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens having knocked off the Kansas City Chiefs this week, I have to give them the I have to give them their flowers because this is a team that for as long as Lamar Jackson has been their quarterback, they have been perennial playoff contenders. And the one team that they have not been able to get past before was the Chiefs. The Ravens they had to dig deep. They had to come and really work hard to get past the Chiefs. And they beat them 36-35 on an incredible fourth down play that I know you would have seen it and they talked about it a lot too with Harbaugh. Harbaugh coming onto the field and asking Lamar, do you want to go for it? Yeah, yeah. And then it was, let's go. So the fact is, Everybody is hunting the Chiefs, and the Ravens have been the team that's been closest to the Chiefs every year that Lamar has been there. And they have finally found a way to slay the team at the top. So when I look at that, I I have to say that to me, the Chiefs are the big, sorry, the Ravens are the biggest winners of week two. And of course, that is also a bouncing back from a heartbreaking loss that they had last week against the Raiders. So now they are one and one The Chiefs are one and one This game could have potential impacts for seeding down the line. So, of course, that is something that I believe is worth, you know, some measure of credit. 
So no, the biggest loser. Who was the biggest loser for you this week? Uh I had a few names, but I wanted to narrow it down to one, right? Because I didn't want to go off too long. Right now, I'd like at the top of my list, like superseding anyone else, even though I try to come up with other names just, just to have a little variety, I could not get past that. To me, right now, the Colts are the biggest losers after week two. Hmm. Is the fact that this new Wentz era hasn't gotten off to a good start. Um, is back-to-back losses right now. So that, and that's just a compound matter. It's just... Because uh, it's, it's not as if Wentz was really setting the league alight in these last few games, but you might give him a wanted to give him might have wanted to give him a little pass because you know it's a new team, new system, all that. But and I know that they needed to get this together sooner than later because it took a big fire on Carson Wentz. This wasn't supposed to be a, a yeah we'll get it together in two or three years. The team is supposed to be built to compete now, and they didn't just lose right. <laughs> But in the process, they lost Carson Wentz. No, I saw the play. I, this, I, again, this is, not another, this is another game that I missed, but I saw the play that injured him. And I admit it was, it was like an awkward fall on the tackle itself. But can honestly, what other quarterback in this league but Carson Wentz could injure both his ankles on that one play? I, it, 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 it just seems so on cue with what, with what he has become in the last few seasons, right? Just, it's just a, a, like a walking injury, right? And to, to, to make matters worse in this situation, I feel like, like I said, given the fact that they leveraged the, what little future they had to get Carson Wentz, because they traded like it was a, a conditional second and a third round pick or something. So um, for Wentz um, next year and the year after, something like that. Um, either way. And given the kind of, uh, I would say, uh, I, for want of a better uh, term, like character flaws that Wentz showed, in, in terms of his um, just demeanor after the whole um, Nick Foles debacle, I feel that like they're not even in a position. Well, firstly, they don't have a good enough backup, right? And I don't feel like they're in a position to bring someone in right now that could seriously challenge Carson Wentz for that num- number one position because then he would just be messing up his psyche. So it, it, it feels like this is just a lose-lose situation. No, they've lost him. He, he's, like I said, he's been an injury. They wanted to take a chance on him. You, no, they don't know how long he'll be out. He's a day-to-day or whatever the case is. And they're already um, uh, 0-2 in the whole, in the division where all the teams will can seemingly just go past and, and leave them behind. So, well, maybe not all, but <laughs> but falling behind, falling behind is not going to be good for them, right? So right now, I have to say that the biggest losers after week two um, are the Colts. So it's interesting that you played the Colts. I didn't have them necessarily as the biggest loser because, I mean, their division is still not the greatest. However, mm-hmm. you do miss some strong points where Carson West is concerned. And let's not forget that I have been very nonplussed with Carson Wentz. I haven't forgotten that at all. I forgotten that at all. <laughs> Carson, Wentz, Carson Wentz resembles, for those of you in the Caribbean, especially who've been in Barbados for any extended period of time, you would definitely get this re- this reference. Carson Wentz is like a wet soda bakes biscuit. Carson Wentz is, is often injured. And as you said, who sprains both ankles? I could not believe it. I could not believe it. Not yeah. one, but all two both. All two. When I saw this, when I, when I saw this, said that he had ankle injuries. I was like, does he have multiple injuries? Because I know that if you if you have an ankle injury, even if you have like a sprain going one way and a sprain going another, you just said that you you sprained your ankle. Yeah. However, yeah. Mr. Vance had they said before that before it came out that he had sprained both ankles. They said he had injuries to his ankles. So yeah, that's all the best to you, Mr. Vance. I hope you get back soon because <laughs> your team really, really needs you. But my pick, mm-hmm. my pick for the biggest loser this week, I mean, it should come as no surprise to you, is my Saints. No, the Saints lost that game 26-7 at the Panthers. Mm-hmm. And the Saints, 
I don't know. I don't. I I really can't say what is going on with my squad, because it seems like everything that can go wrong with this team this season so far is going wrong. Our star wide receiver is hurt. Knock on wood. My my running backs don't get any injuries because right now we're only running really with two of them. Mm-hmm. We couldn't decide who we were going to give the starting quarterback position to for the majority of the offseason. I believe that that is no coming back to Hermes at this point because one of the issues that we had in this game was communication between James Winston and the line. No, I didn't see much of the game, but from what I did see and from the reports I was reading and hearing after the game, the Panthers were just blitzing constantly. They were just coming after James and not having the reps with the first team because obviously if you're giving two quarterbacks an opportunity to trail to be the starter you're going to have Jameis with the starters one week or this practice and then you're going to have them with the twos so yeah. when you have a situation now where you're in a game and you need to be able to communicate to pick up the pressures and identify where the pressure is coming from which direction do I need to slide the line how do I communicate this with my wide receivers and my running back so I know okay so you're going to step up and you're going to block this guy but this guy is coming free so my hot rope is over there you don't have that level of comfort because they don't have the reps we lost the last preseason game now you go in to play against Carolina who I mean, it's still the Panthers, but the Panthers' defense, as you have rightfully said in your biggest winners, their defense is legit. Their defense is looking a lot better this season than it has looked in the past. If there was a time to get the Saints, it would have been this week because apparently we didn't keep our focus. We didn't have our minds set going into this game because we had just handled Green Bay comprehensively. So the expectation is then you're going to go in and you're going to handle Carolina as well because, again, it is just the Panthers. It didn't work out that way. You can't take your eyes off of the opponent that's ahead of you and think that you're going to just walk in and the game is going to be whatever. You have to be focused. You have to play the game with the level of respect that it deserves. Mm -hmm. Now, I know some folks were looking at this game and making comments with regards to Jameis. The fact that Jameis threw two interceptions in this game, no touchdowns. He did run one touchdown in, however. But at the time when those inter- every interception, or let's put it this way, every interception is not created equally. There are bad throws where you don't see the defender, you just throw it literally in his hands. There are throws where the coverage, somebody makes a mistake on the route, so the ball doesn't go where it's supposed to go. And then there are the kinds of interceptions that will happen at the end of the first half, which is when James threw the first one, and then at the end of the second half when he threw the second one, which is you're forcing the ball, you're trying to make something happen, you're trying to get some points, you're trying to get down the field. There's only basically the one guy down there, so now you need to have this super amazing throw, and your wide receiver has to help you and get to the ball and make the play. It didn't happen. As the commentators often say when these things happen to all quarterbacks, not just to Jameis Winston, is like a punt. You're basically just trying to flip field position because you're trying to get whatever you can. And if you can't get anything, then maybe the other team has to start from deep in their own in their own um, half of the field. So I am I have been very critical of Jameis in the past. I can see why these two interceptions happen. I don't believe I need to be as critical at this point as well as just taking into consideration that Jameis so far has been careful with the ball. He's been cautious. And I believe that a lot of the negative plays, a lot of the limited yardage that he's had so far for these first two weeks of the season is because of the game plan. It's because they're trying to manage him and make sure that he doesn't just be out here just, you know, throwing it up. And we are not the Buccaneers with the no risk it, no biscuit philosophy. We take care of the ball. We try to make sure that things are going the way they're supposed to go. It's still early in the season. We overperformed last week, but we definitely underperformed this week. So the biggest losers have to be the Saints. Now we've we're already done one game as well in the division. Now, if there is somebody that is supposed to have 
a moral victory. You know, consider that the loss that they had was maybe not so bad and there's stuff that they can definitely take away from this going forward. Who would your moral victor be this week? So I, I put a twist on it this week, right? Mm-hmm. Because the, the same response you had for your biggest winners, I also had. But then I decided to switch them to the moral victory. No, I, I know. Yet to me, they were still the river. Is, so it's the Ravens, and I, I guess specifically Lamar Jackson in this. Mm-hmm. But to me, there was still a moral victory to be achieved here, even even though they won the game. Like it, it, it didn't come despite a loss. It came with the win because, and as you as you articulated before, is like um, the Ravens have always been there and about since Lamar has been in the league but they've never been able to get past the Chiefs. This was his first victory against the Chiefs in what, there's four or five tries now? Mm-hmm. So, and, and I think it's, it's, it kind of is the nature of the win for me, right? They were trailing. Um, uh, I'm pretty sure according to odds, again, they may have, they, um, the Chiefs would have been favorites, if anything. They, the Ravens did not look like a, a, a cohesive unit on either side of the ball in week one. And we know the thing is, you know how Lamar is in terms of his leadership um, qualities. In ter- like, so at the end of um, week one, remember he was blaming himself himself um, because of um, the late fumbles that caused a turnover, you know, that, that ended up resulting in, in a good field position. And I think they had scored on it. Um, the Raiders had scored and, and ended up taking it right. Mm-hmm. So he blamed himself heavily. So to me, the manner in which he was able to orchestrate the comeback and, and like even in the end, the willingness to, to and desire to, to go for that four down, um, to, yeah, to go on, on to, to not punt and, and go, go for it on four and get that first down to seal the victory. It, um, to me, that it, it was a moral boost that the entire team needed because it, it, seemed, it seemed like everyone was buoyed by just how well, especially he, was leading the team on offense. And I mean, on both sides, offense, defense, it just seemed like the entire team's picked themselves up. And we know that he's one of the very vocal leaders of this team, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that as impressive as the win itself was, it is, there is a huge moral victory here for Lamar because he, he conquered those demons. And I feel like now going forward, I don't think he'll def- at, at, at all. I don't think he'll be complacent, but I think now he has a bit more confidence, and the team does, knowing that they can get the job done against Kansas City if need be. Okay, so when I looked at my moral victory, one name that did come back to mind again was also was again the Saints because the Saints having the come back to earth loss that they did. It helps them you know to focus again going forward, and they they showed some stuff. The Panthers did that. The Saints, as an offense and the offensive line, they need to work on. But I'm not going back through that with them again. My um, moral victory this week might surprise you. Actually, it's from the game last night. Well, when I said last night, of course, those who are watching this on Wednesday, we're recording this on Tuesday. I have to say that all the time because I keep <laughs> messing up. Doing get out, this. Get out of it. Yeah, hopefully soon. Yeah. But in the Monday Night Football game, the Detroit Lions. Hmm. The Detroit Lions have a lot right now to be not maybe not necessarily pleased about because they're still winning this on the season. But they played the San Francisco 49ers really, really close last week. Coming back from a ridiculous deficit to take the game into overtime, I think, if, I remember, if memory serves me correctly. This week, they were putting so much pressure on the Packers with the scoreboard, not necessarily with their defense because that game, it, for a while, it felt like basketball because nobody was stopping anybody. But mm-hmm. at least up until the half, if, if I remember correctly, the Lions were up 17-14 at the half. So mm-hmm. if there were lightning strikes in Lambeau and the game had to get called off, who would have won? The Lions. The Lions <laughs> are playing really, really good football in spurts. 
which is something that we've not been able to say about the Lions. The Lions have been the whipping boys of the league for as long as I can remember. This is a team that has gone winless in an entire season. But I don't think that this season the Lions are going to go winless because, no, we did talk about their head coach and how he's talking about the whole biting kneecaps thing. But he has that team playing really, really hard. And then when you look at... He does, yeah. And when you look at the, the offensive production that they're getting from a bunch of wide receivers whose names we don't know, <laughs> and then they, they brought in the Green Bay backup in Williams to be yeah. their backup running back. He was running hard last night. DeAndre Swift was also running hard last I'm, night. I'm getting, I'm getting more targets than Swift too. There you go. When you look at what this team has been doing, your boy TJ Hawkinson had a great game last night. And then when you look at Jared Goff, who we have been saying that, you know, chances are no way he's no longer with McVay. He's not going to look as good, but the tro- some throws that he put on last night were fantastic. Yeah. If he can get his head up now and survey the field a little bit more, he would have had some easier conversions on the fourth down players that he went for and they didn't get them. And there was one other issue that they had where working on time of possession. I don't know if you saw the game on which broadcast you were watching, but for the first half, I was watching the Peyton and Eli stream. Yeah. And they were talking about the halftime too, yeah. And they were right. So you would remember then that they were talking about how that the Lions should have taken a timeout in the first minute after the two-minute warning to help preserve the clock. But they yeah. just allowed so much time to just drift yeah. by that yeah, they didn't have yeah. a choice of them but to kick a field goal because they didn't have any time to do anything else. Yeah. There are things that the rookie head coach is going to get better. He's going to learn and he's going to improve. The Lions are also going to get better. They're going to learn. They're going to improve. The Lions, the Lions should be feeling good today of... I mean, and to say that about the Detroit Lions, I mean, come on. Yeah, I, I did it last week, and I'm not going to do it two weeks in a row. But I understand, <laughs> understand where you're coming from. I, I was, I was impressed, and and I, 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 I'm going to give Dan Campbell um, a little bit of credit because I thought he was crazy. I, I thought he was just an erratic uh, um, um, personality coming into this. But like, they, they, they are a bit more buttoned down. And to be fair, they. They do have some injuries on defense, or at least um, one with Okuda being out. Um, he's supposed to be like the top corner. So, um, in, in just like trying to make it a next man up kind of situation, they just couldn't hold out in the end. You know, at, at the end of the day, Green Bay has the more um, has more quality on their offense, and then I guess the defense, the Detroit defense, just seemed gas. But I get where you're coming from, but. That helps me to segue perfectly into my most concerning victory, though. Sure. Go for it. Because you, So you spoke about... Last week, I said the Lions because of the fact that they ended up bringing the game to basically within a, a one possession against the 49ers. This week, my pick for the most concerning victory is the San Francisco 49ers, Ken. Mm. Now, it's true that the Niners are 2-0, and it's also true that they're leading a division, Right? From from the onset, it looks it looks very normal, right? After almost letting the Lions back in the game last week, scoring, I ended up to forty-one to thirty-three, and this is supposed to be like a defense that is like a top defense or something like that, you know. In in terms of front seven, secondary, like everything, it's supposed to be a complete defense. Let the Lions back into the game at thirty-one. This week, they did their job. I I, I would say. They, they only allowed the Eagles to score 11 points. But then the offense scored 17. <laughs> so at no point in time are both of these units going to play well on the same day. How, how is it? How is it? You score seven. Listen, the running game was almost non-existent. And we know they have injuries there. So you, you, you could maybe forgive them for not being like the best with, with the run right now. Okay, cool. But again, even... even and, and, uh, uh, you are you're always saying this about Jimmy G. Jimmy G had he completed 22 of 30 passes, 189 yards. It's not terrible, but it's not great either. You understand what I mean? And and 
And outside of Debo Samuel, who had 93 yards, and mind you, one of those was, was, um, was a catch that he did most of the work on. It was a very good throw by Jimmy, but then he's the one that, that, that ran a very good role. And you know Debo Samuel is a physical presence, so it is, it is hard to bring that guy down. The fact of the matter is, like, it, it, you can't be scoring 17 points. I, like it, it doesn't seem like the offense clicked yesterday. I against a, I, so I'm now I'm wondering if it is that they only looked that complete and cohesive because they were playing the Lions in week one to be able to put up 41 points. But then now in week two, I guess they, they I mean the Eagles' defense isn't isn't terrible either, but it's about middle of the pack if anything, and and 17 points. Yes, you have injuries, but still, I I feel like that is. I, I am very concerned by that. At 17, 11 win over the Eagles. I, it, it just doesn't bode well for me. And 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 as as much as the record indicates that yes, they've had a, an excellent start to the season, I am very concerned with what I saw um in week two. So I I don't have anything to add with regards to the San Francisco 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo, any of that, because it's it is too early. It is too early for me to be getting so down on them. So I'll leave them alone. But you know who has my pick for the most concerning thing? The Green Bay Packers. I just get I just got here and extolled the virtues of the Lions. And you know why I could extol the virtues of the Lions? It's because the Packers couldn't stop them. Yeah, yeah. The Packers, I You're really struggling at first, yeah. The Packers' defense is a problem. Mm -hmm. The Saints put up 38 points on them last week. And then they could, as I just said, it was looking like basketball. You come down the field, you take a shot, you seem to be scoring all the time, and then you just go back and you try to stop the other team. What? What are the Packers' defense doing? No, we expected that the offense was going to bounce back after the shellacking that they took at the mm. hands of the Saints. Aaron Rodgers, four touchdowns. Okay, great. The fact that they were able to run the ball so effectively last night is really, really good. And for those who would have been rooting for Aaron Jones for whatever reason, be it fun or finance, you would have been smiling last night. However, the majority of the reason, especially this was coming out when Peyton and Eli were talking all during that first half, the, because the Lions were playing against the Packers and the Packers had Devontae Adams, they could not afford to leave their inexperienced corners without some sort of help. So they had to be playing with a too high safety yeah, yeah. look the yeah. entire game because you had to give those guys protection on the outside. Mm -hmm. If you're playing against a team who has more trust and more hope and more comfort in their corners, then you're facing a, you're facing a seven to eight man box. You're not getting that amount of space to run and then you have to pass. So I am not convinced. I have not seen enough last night even though it was just the Lions, I am not convinced with what I saw from the Packers to now say, okay, Green Bay is back. Everything is good, and we can expect them now to rattle off to like a 14-win a season. No, we are definitely not there. They need to show more. They need to do more to convince me going forward that they are going to be that team that we can actually trust going forward. I know we're talking about trust. That takes us right into who do you trust? And this week, who do you trust? We're looking at some quarterback situations because this week was very unkind to some signal callers. I'm sure some of your fantasy teams showed the effect just <laughs> like mine did because we had some real dumb performances this week from some some big to median name quarterbacks. And then we also have some rookie quarterbacks that struggled looking at you, Trevor Lawrence, and you, Zach Wilson. But we're not wasting time with you boys today. Today, we're looking at the guys that are dealing with some injuries. Now, last week, in the first week of the season, 
the Washington football team, they lost their swashbuckling quarterback, Ray Fitzpatrick, to injury. Tyler Haneke came in, almost got them a win last week. And then this week, he found a way to win against the Giants at home in their home opener. So, AJ, do you trust Taylor Heineke to keep this job long-term? Um, long-term, I do not... Um, I, 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 I would say in the interim. I don't know about long-term in terms of like two, three years down the line, but at least for the rest of this season, for sure. I'd, I'd say definitely he has to keep it for this season. Because while he might be a bit limited in 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 certain um, of his tangibles and you know it's in terms of ability and you know how far he could actually take this team, um, at the same time, the fact that they they held on to him after last year and brought in, I uh, will held on to him to be the backup uh, to, and and brought in Ryan Fitzpatrick. I feel like Ron Rivera has been in this league long enough to know that if you're bringing in Fitzpatrick as your number one, that at some point in time during the season, your backup is going to take that field. So if they had enough faith in him to, to make him number two then, because they still have Kyle Allen, not so, and Kyle Allen is now the third string. So if they had enough faith in Taylor to be the backup and, and, and with almost... I would say like 99.9% surety that at some point this season he would have had to play whether it uh, would have been due to a Fitzpatrick injury or Fitzpatrick just completely losing the plot. I, I feel like right now is not the time to take away that confidence that you put in him and, and go out and get someone else. And especially, like I said, after week two, um, as you said, sorry, after week two, he willed the team to, to a victory um, in, here in Landover. So not here, I'm not in Landover, but in, in Maryland. Um. Yeah, you have to keep the faith in him. You have to keep the faith in him. So, um, I think he's doing a decent job so far of getting the ball to his weapons, mind you. And this is something I'll mention a bit later. But Terry McLaurin just had a, a, a career game in terms of receptions, and this is with Taylor Heineke. So, I, I, I mean, on the flip side, the flip side to that is that Antonio Gibson didn't have a very good game, but I, he still got the ball to to McLaurin. To McKissick. The other, JD McKissick, yeah. So I think he's doing a good enough job. You, you can't, if, uh, what I would say is he has to keep the job this season and then at the end of the season, then you reassess to see if if it is that uh, situation where you can go further with him, if, if you have a good enough system and good enough weapons around him. But um, right now, right now, I can't say that I've seen enough to say, like long-term, like give him a longer contract or whatever to be like the face of, uh, the, the number one single caller, as you said. But he has to keep his job for this season, though. Has to. So, Taylor Heineke, for me. I trust I trust him, as you said, to be the starting quarterback for the rest of this year. Now, the question would be, does Ron Rivera and the football team brass trust him the way I trust him? Because... I have been very high on Taylor Heineke from what he showed just in the postseason last year when mm -hmm. he stepped in for Alex Smith and almost found a way to beat the Buccaneers. And as I heard some commentators say, the Washington football team pretty much played the Buccaneers the best of all teams in the playoffs last season. Mm. Part of that is down to Taylor Heineke. So Taylor Heineke, so far this season, has a QBR of 104.4 between the two games. Against mm -hmm. the Chargers, this, when he had the start, he had a quarterback rating of 119.3. Sorry, that was the fourth week one when he came in in relief. But against the Giants, when he started, 336 yards, two touchdowns, and one bonehead interception. 73.9% of his passes were completed. You just made mention of the effect that he had on Terry McLaurin, who had a career night. J.D. McKissick also had a very good night. There's nothing bad, really, that you can say about what Taylor Heineke has done. And 
again, this is still the NFC East. The NFC East where a team could win the division at 7 and 10. So when you take all that into consideration, he's just won the first game in the division with this team. There's, mm-hmm. I, I don't see how you take this team from him. At least not unless Ryan Fitzpatrick comes back and shows that he is a different quarterback to what he's shown for his entire career. And that is not likely. So I would roll behind the key until the wheels fall off. Maybe next season, you're able to go after somebody else. There's somebody else that comes available. This is the season, this is the time of quarterback movement. So who knows what happens then? But for me, you gotta stick with you gotta stick with the Heineken man, Heineken, Heineken. So when we talk about Heineken, then there's another team who I was going to say was one of my most my more concerning wins this week, mm-hmm. the Las Vegas Raiders, mm-hmm. because the Las Vegas Raiders they almost lost their quarterback this week. Derek Carr he is nursing the injury. And they just put their backup quarterback heading into week two. Um, that is, what's his name? Marcus Mariota. Yeah. They put him on IR. So, you know, if um, Derek Carr is not good to go this week, you know who gets to start, AJ? Nathan Five Pick Peterman. Yeah, the Peterman is back. Mm-hmm. So, AJ, um, with the Raiders this week, they are going to be playing against how do you hear just now? Ah, they are going to be hosting the Miami Dolphins at home. And we're gonna to get to the Dolphins very shortly. But AJ, do you trust the Peterman to keep it together and keep the Raiders rolling if he has to start this week? Uh no. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a short that's a short answer. And and I, I want to have a bit more faith in them, especially since they're playing the Dolphins, who were just shut out in a game. Right? Yes. But I still believe that if Peterman is in the game, the Dolphins have a very good chance to win this game. That is how little faith I have in Nathan Peterman. And I'm I'm not gonna to go into a whole spiel about Nathan Peterman. If, if, <laughs> If he has, if the Raiders have to field him, the Dolphins are in very good standing. Yeah, I'm sure that the Ultimakers are watching to see who is going to be the starting quarterback mm-hmm. for the Raiders because mm-hmm. they want to make sure that they don't set a line that everybody jumps in on and then all of a sudden Peter Moon is starting and then, you know, the money goes bad for them. I also don't have any trust in Nathan Peter Moon. There was a stat that came out last week when mm-hmm. Ben Zal Wilson was having all of his struggles against, who did the Jets lose to? Oh, against the Panthers. And he had two, basically he had two interceptions in like his first two passes or something like that. Mm-hmm. They said that that only happened like twice before in the NFL. And you know who's one of those people that had two interceptions in the first two passes? Nathan yeah, Peterman. I'm pretty sure I remember that game too. <laughs> Nathan Peterman and yeah. I mean as if it was not bad enough the, the he was the quarterback for the Bills and struggled I know he's going, going up against another AFC East opponent yeah we could just we could just move yeah, on from, from from Nathan Peterman but another quarterback who is also injured and know, we know for sure he's definitely out this week is one Tyrod or Tyrod, depending on who you ask, Taylor. Tyrod Taylor has a hamstring injury, and now David Mills is expected to be the starting quarterback for the Houston Texans, even yeah. though the um, the head coach, he was teasing that they may potentially look to start Deshaun Watson because, you know, he is... He is not on any sort of exemption or ban list. He can he could potentially play. So AJ, uh, who do you trust for the Texans if Tyrod is not good to go 
this week. Yeah, all of that is cut. Up to today, I was seeing reports that Deshaun Watson is not going to be involved in this team for week three. So Davis Mills is going to start. And it's not like I had much faith in the Texans coming into this season. Tyrod was holding his own in the first couple of weeks. He had Brandon Cooks looking real good. And, and we'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get to that in fantasy because um, it will have some implications there. Um, mm-hmm. when we do, yeah. But however, I, Davis Mills will have to start though. It was must have to start. Um, the, the Texans and the, um, what's the head coach now? Is Cully? Yeah, David uh, Cully. He can say whatever he wants. <laughs> <laughs> try and save face and yeah, make it sound like there's some you know some sort of some surprise maybe coming. Nah, Davis Mills is going to be your starting quarterback. So, and the Texans have who in week three? I cannot. Oh, um, it's someone with a good defense. I can't remember who. I have the list here, so I'll get it for you. Yeah. The Texans are oh the Texans are hosting the Panthers on Thursday. Hosting the Panthers, there we go. Yeah, yeah. All right, no, yeah. Is back to Texan ways. Yeah, I mean, I feel sorry for Terod because there is nobody that gets run up off their job as often as Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, to me, he is he would be a top half of the league quarterback if he could stay fit. However, as I just said, he is constantly getting chased off his job. So Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback before um, Josh Allen took over in Buffalo. Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback before, uh, what's his name? From the Justin Cleveland Browns. No, no, I ever get to Justin oh, Herbert. Oh, yeah. before that, oh, you went back. Oh, you're going I went back. Baker Mayfield, he was the quarterback before yeah, yeah, Baker yeah. Mayfield took over. Then he was the quarterback before he got his lung punctured and Justin Herbert took over for the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Now he's gone to Houston. He had the Texans looking far better than anyone expected they would have. Yeah. And, and now he's being scuppered by a hamstring injury. It, we and know. I, I guess that that has to be the hardest part about it for him, you know, a non-contact, just just <laughs> trying to get out of box of the ball or trying to make a play, didn't have one, and then end up pulling a hammy. And you can see him pull up and uh, the disappointment. I I feel sorry for the guy for real. I mean, he, the, the thing is, he he pulled the hamstring on a touchdown run. He, it was a touchdown run. He scrambled to his right. There was oh, nothing I, open. I, I saw. I, I thought it was another play. Then my bad. I'm pretty sure that was it because that's the one that they, when it was when it was checking the highlights and stuff, so he ran in, and then all of a sudden, you no, know, he is out of the game, and it does. As you said, Deshaun Watson is not starting this week. Davis Mills is going to start. It does not matter whoever they trot out there that is not named Deshaun Watson. They are going to lose this game. So yeah. when you when you put all of that into consideration, then of course not. There's no trusting of anything happening in Houston once Tarod is out. And finally, last one for this week, who do you trust? We made mention of this before. The Dolphins, they have their own quarterback issues right now because the incumbent, he is hurt. He is dealing with some pain. Tua Tungavailoa, he took a hard hit in the first quarter of the game. He has a rib injury, but they said that there was no cartilage damage. So that was a plus. However, he is in a lot of pain. He may or may not play this week. And Jacoby Brissett is expected to be the starter. Now, as you just mentioned, the Dolphins, even though Brissett came in in the first quarter, they lost 35 to nothing. So, AJ, we may mention this coming into the season when we talked about the quarterback moves and who went where and whatever and they said that Jacoby Brissett going to the Dolphins he may have looked at that as an opportunity where he would become the starter because the Dolphins don't seem to have much faith in Tua Tagovailoa. so AJ do you trust Brissett to keep this job long term can I feel like you have more faith in Brissett than me you know <laughs> and it, it could be too because he was at my organization, right? But no, I, I think I think he's a he is he is decent. I don't think he's a bad quarterback, but I think at best he's a number two. Like he's not someone you want on the center for the entire season. 
he was he was a good enough backup to two, I believe, without without. Like you said, he may have hoped that he could eventually win over that spot. But if I'm two and I'm looking back at Jacoby Brissett, I feel like the onus is on me. Like I, I, I don't, I don't even feel as threatened as if it were like, honestly, I, I would, I would feel more threatened if it was Cam Newton or something like that, or some, or, or somebody else that was a bona fide starter. But Jacoby is a bona fide number two, right? Over a lengthy period, I'm not convinced that he, that he is, is a solution to anything, and. Um, yeah, I don't think Miami does either. It's a one-year rental. And I, I don't see him being back next year, even if even if Tua succumbs to injuries, because like injuries in no start with Tua, you know. This man been injured all throughout his Alabama um college life, right? All kind of it was if it wasn't it knees, it was ankle, not knees. Let me not um put the wrong injuries on a man, but it was I know he had ankle, finger, um, hip. That was that was one of the bigger ones. So it felt inevitable that he would go down. But still, the Miami knows what Jacoby is. And even if he fills in for this season, if Tua doesn't work out at the end of this year, they need to go and get another quarterback. But Jacoby Brissett is not the answer. So it's interesting that you said that you think I have more faith in Jacoby Brissett than you do. I mean, it kind of just sounded so, which is why I said that. But I could be wrong. I could be wrong. (laughs) You know... The, the thing of where Jacoby Brissett is concerned for me, Jacoby Brissett somehow parlayed one game, one start, to get him traded for to go over to the Indianapolis Colts, who, the same time they brought him in, wasted no time in getting Philip Rivers to come as well. That, that lets you know that they didn't have that much faith in him. Right. And then they were not shy in getting the rid of him this season either. He's gone over to Miami, and Miami, let's even just remember, this is the same Miami Dolphins that has been constantly been mentioned as a landing spot for Deshaun Watson. Mm-hmm. If we are saying that the Miami Dolphins do not have trust in Tua, because they're always making these googly eyes over at Deshaun. They, what is what does that say about Jacoby Brissett? Clearly, they don't care anything about him because they're ready to relegate him to third string. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's true. That's true, too. I didn't even think about that, that uh, think about it like that, but yeah. So, no, there is no faith in Jacoby Brissett keeping this job long-term. He does not even keep this job for the entire season. If... Tua can't make it out this week, and he can't make it out maybe for the put him on short term. I he's out for like three to six weeks. Whenever he's fit, he's straight back into that starting lineup. Jacoby Brissett had an opportunity to do something for three quarters of this game, mm-hmm. and they got beat thirty-five to nothing. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's no way that he he is going to be any sort of long-term answer. Now, that brings us to the end of Who Do You Trust? And of course, as we have looked back on week two, we must look ahead to week three. So let's just get a couple games mentioned here for the folks as we get them all ready to go for week three. So AJ, what are your key games or like what games are you paying closest attention to this week? Um, well, I mean, I always, I always like to pay attention to the Pats games. However, this week specifically has my interest peaked, obviously. Of course. It's you against me, so next week is going to be some fire for somebody. somebody <laughs> for somebody. Gets, yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it would definitely be the Saints versus the Pats for this week for me. Um, two one-on-one teams that uh, you talked about the inefficiencies with your team. I obviously have seen some with mine. Um, I, you know you know how little I trust the offense until they show me something. Yep. And we started a rookie, so um, is a rookie versus basically, well, James, like now we seem to be almost like a veteran in this league, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I'm really interested to see how this goes because I 
I don't think going into a one and two hole right now is 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 good for for us. It, it obviously it won't be good for you either. But I in, in my division is 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 I, I think is a it'll be a little tighter. You could still end up in in first or second in that division, and you, you get into that afterwards. But so that that game mainly, and then of course the Bucks versus the Rams. That is the second game for me because obviously you know how the Bucks started at two and zero. Been pummeling teams, the Rams. To be honest, the Rams in week two, looking at what they did, it wasn't. I mean, so it's not as if the Colts' defense is supposed to be that bad. So I have to give them some credit. But a 17-14 scoreline. Uh, I mean, yeah. So you're literally like a field goal away from being in in overtime against that team. And Carson Wentz didn't finish the game, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of looking out to see what the Rams do this week against the Bucks. Supposed to be a, and and also with that with that being said, let me say the Bucks defense has not looked the same as it did last year. So, in terms of um them coming up against the Rams offense, because Stafford actually has this offense running really well. Cooper Cup has been off his leash and just back to like crazy stats. Um. So, yeah. Those are the two matchups, definitely Saints, Pats, and Bucks, Rams. Those are the ones that definitely might be zoned in directly on. Might not put down a red zone. Had a, you know TV vibes for that. It is true. No, of course the the two games that you pick are two great ones. I don't have to add anything with Saints Patriots because yeah, that it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun to see how my Saints offense can boast, but. And then you, as you said, you have a rookie quarterback. And my sense defense is still playing really good. So we will we, that is going to be a game that is definitely worth paying attention to. No, the games that I had on tap really though, because it's going to be difficult. Chargers, Chiefs, they're playing the same time as the Saints and the Patriots. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good opportunity to see the evolution of Justin Herbert how he is able to get that offense to try to keep pace with the Chiefs. And you know, last season, they were a field goal away from beating the Chiefs as well. That is one. Another one that I am very interested in for a different kind of reason is the Bengals and the Steelers. Now, I don't know about you, but I I know we have not been very high on the Steelers on this show. We have had... Um, Justin Marvel of this Justin come in and he has also not been high on the Steelers the Steelers have not looked very good as yet this season Big Ben has not been spectacular at any I'm, point I, we didn't even mention this but you know that he's dealing with a pectoral injury now too right he is is he yeah <laughs> I didn't, I didn't want to stick it in into to what we were talking about the injuries, but yeah, apparently he's dealing with he's dealing with an injury right now. I'm shaking my head because I have been on one of my fantasy teams and he's going to be dropped as soon as can get an opportunity to. But anyhow, so so when you look at what the Steelers have been doing, the defense has been has been solid. The offense has been sketchy. The Bengals, on the other hand, their offense has been humming for the most part. Their defense has been so-so. So now you have a good offense going up against a good defense and then two sketchy other sides of the ball for both teams. It could be a great game. It could be a snooze fest. It all depends on which offense for the Pittsburgh Steelers turns up and which defense for the Bengals turns up. But that mm-hmm. game should also have some interest and hopefully it should be good. And then, of course... Just for a quick mention, the Bears and the Browns. The Browns have been running the ball very effectively, but as I made mention of before, Baker is dealing with an injury. He had a shoulder injury in that game this week when they beat the Bengals. Sorry, no, it's the Bears that beat the Bengals. The Browns beat the Texans 31-21. And now if Baker is not healthy, you know how, how much I trust Baker already. And then the Bears, they, we may have the potential start of Justin Fields because um, Andy Dalton has a bone bruise in his knee. And then he will be the 
next rookie quarterback to take the field for his team. And if he performs, then, of course, you know, that's probably the last we'll see of Andy Dalton as a starter, at least for this season, because the fans in Chicago, they definitely want to see Justin on the field. All right, so now that brings us to the end of all of our topics. And now it is time for the final thought. Final thought took a break for a couple of weeks as we had lots of other stuff to get to. So now, Ijid, this week we have an opportunity for you to give your final thought to the people. What do you have? Yeah, so this week I'm just going to be very lighthearted. <laughs> I, I just want to let everyone know how much Ken and I really love fantasy football, right? But at the same time, we hate it. And Ken knows exactly why I'm saying this right now. <laughs> Ken knows exactly why I'm saying this right now. But last night was one of the perfect examples of the love-hate relationship we have with fantasy football. In about four of my leagues, I'm currently in six this season, in about four of my leagues last night, I had players that were involved in last night's game between the Lions and the Packers, right? In about three leagues, I had Aaron Jones, in, in one of the leagues, Ken, I actually had Devontae and TJ Hawkinson. And then in another separate league, so two leagues, sorry, Aaron, Aaron Jones. And then in another league, Ken and I were battling because we each had one, one or one of, I had TJ, he had Devontae. And we were going neck and neck down to the wire, <laughs> trying to see who would get this win. For me, I really needed TJ to have a better game than Devontae and, and it ended up happening. I, 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 all, all at the 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 um. So I don't know what's the word I'm looking for here, but at the, to the detriment of of my brother sitting across here from me, I had I ended up beating him and going two and zero in this in this league last night. But it was just one of those weeks I had a really good fantasy week, right? I didn't win every league. I didn't win in every league. It's, it's almost with those all being in so many leagues, the odds are almost impossible to like go six and zero. It is really tough, but also with seeing what Aaron Jones did, <laughs> seeing what Aaron Jones did last night, like it was, it was just a, a spectacle to behold fantasy-wise, and it just kind of buoyed me up and, and got me in high spirits, ready to discuss fantasy football with you today, kind sir. Well, tomorrow for the viewers, yeah, you see, I'm doing it as well. But I just, I just wanted to, 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 to get that out there today, because, uh, Fantasy is such a love here. And in a couple of weeks, I might be singing a different tune. But last night was a really good night. Yep. Well, Monday yeah. night, sorry. was a really good fantasy night. So that's all I have to say. I love fantasy, but at the same time, I hate it. Yeah. I, I, it does not even surprise me that that's where you decided to go with your final <laughs> thought for this week. For a full disclosure for the thoughts, um, when we were going into last night's game, I was trailing AJ by think like 10 points or something like that. Yeah. And everyone was predicting the monster game from Aaron Rodgers. And I was saying if Aaron Rodgers has a monster game, that most likely means that Devontae Adams is also going to have a monster game. So I did say early on in the week, in the weekend, as the fantasy games were going, that I expected this week was going to be a complete reversal for me as of last week. Mm. Because I went 4-1 last week in the five leagues I'm in. And things weren't looking good for me heading into even like the Sunday night game, let alone, you know, hoping for a miracle on Monday. And it felt like if Aaron Rodgers knew that a Saints fan was hoping for him to give the level of production to Devontae Adams that he would have needed. So he just gave all of it to Aaron Jones instead. So that's, you're watching the game and you're just like, come on. Even if you give him one just, touchdown, you know, I'll be a lot closer. Yeah, I, I just was like, I, and, you, and you, you know that Tay is my, is my favorite receiver in this league, right? So a part of me wants this man to succeed, but at the same time, I'm like, nah. Not in the end zone tonight, but kind of for is when you drop that when um Rogers dropped that dime that that um deep deep that um yeah, dime shot. on him right yeah I was like shh this is it here you know this is this is about to be the end like he, he, he two of them about to turn up right now you know I was I was kind of relieved when it didn't come to that though yeah I I, I don't blame you it was <laughs> it was frustrating this this week, this week when you when you guys see the fantasy spot. 
you're gonna probably hear me complain quite a bit. This <laughs> on what happened this weekend. <laughs> but anyhow, that's that, that is a great spot to end it for this week. We'll see you guys tomorrow when we have the fantasy spot on. As always, hit subscribe, hit the bell, tell a friend. The Green Base Podcast wants you and your friends to join us every week. So as always, that is AJ. He is the Green. I am Ken. I am the Beige. We will see you next time.